Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus Bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, my people? Live from the Combine, voices coming back in a big way, thank God. And uh, John Middlecoff, three and out. That's the podcast. That's myself. We have a big show coming up. Uh, I, I want to do because I realized yesterday when I was talking to a bunch of people, like I'm not even following what's happening. And there were a bunch of stories from Caleb to Justin Jefferson to Russell Wilson. So I'll start the podcast off by reacting to some just thoughts on what's flying around the combine. Then I will talk to Howie. He had to go to a meeting probably a trade or something. So I only got him for like five or six minutes. Big Dom comes over for a split second. And uh, then I also talked to Mike Florio for about 25, 30 minutes. So we will have Roseman, 
and Florio, who are kind of like, in a weird way, enemies, but also buddies. So it's, it kind of fits perfectly. Uh, we talked to some other guys today that we'll have podcasts coming out. We'll have Jason Light on tomorrow's podcast, and we'll figure out some more guys coming up. So uh, we, we got a packed house. It's been fun here at the Combine. we got a lot going on. It's, it's definitely slowing down a little bit here with the GMs and the coaches no longer coming. It's going to start the workouts now. But uh, had a good time. I'm still here for another 24 hours, so we'll have more podcasts flying out. But make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out if you haven't already, if you listen on Collins' feed. YouTube will have all the content up. Breer's interview uh, is up right now, so go check that out. If you already listened, I know a lot of you guys DMing me that you enjoyed it. That's, that's good. And, of course, thevolume.com, we have merch. But before we dive into some football stuff, here's the thing. I got my cell phone right next to me, and I have an app on that cell phone. It happens to be my favorite app because it's the official ticketing app of this podcast, Game Time. If you want to go to an event, right, the NCAA tournament's right around the corner. You got spring training's already going. Florida, Arizona. You, you live in a cold weather place? Come to the sun. You want to go to a concert this spring or this summer? I got you covered. Go to Game Time, download it, promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, $20 off any pair of tickets. Uh, I've been using them for a long time. Price points, remarkable flash deals. You can search by the venue, where you want to sit, the sight lines. Cannot recommend them enough. Download the Game Time app, promo code JOHN. Okay, let's start with the biggest story of the day. And I don't even think it's close. And I, I think it's pretty clear from just keeping my ear, uh, talking to people in the league, obviously just w- knowing people that talk to people around the organization and watching Poles and Eberflus talk. Justin Fields is done. And he's been done since last year. It's over. He's going to be on another team. Caleb Williams is going to be drafted by him. Like, th- this is no longer... It's technically still a story because it's it hasn't become unofficial yet. It can't even become official till March 11th. But he's not going to be the quarterback of the Bears. And honestly, that was probably determined the moment Carolina was a lock to get the number one pick. And Ryan Poles, I'm sure, has a couple trades that he would like a do-over on. He's also had some really good trades. But that trade with the Carolina Panthers has a chance to be one of the great fleecings of all time. Let's let's be real. I mean, the Carolina Panthers now have a quarterback that weighs 165 pounds whose team sucks on his second coach. Like, they got problems. But the Chicago Bears now have a chance to take Caleb Williams. And I would imagine a lot of people think that Justin Fields is going to be on the Chicago or the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know. There are several teams. But I do think when you look at the landscape of this is the question with the Fields' compensation is, we have some recent examples of Sam Darnold, who got traded, and they picked up his fifth-year option for a second-round pick, and they immediately regretted it. Baker Mayfield had his fifth-year option picked up by the Browns, and then they had to eat the money to trade him. These are complicated situations because this is a business. This isn't fantasy fucking football here. So when you trade for Justin Fields, you have to go, well, am I going to pick up his contract? I have some people think that they will try to do one of those Jordan Love-type extensions at a lower number. Uh, I, I just know these situations are complicated. We, we've seen them. So you almost have to believe, if you're going to trade a second-round pick in Justin Fields, that you can resurrect his career into at least a really solid player. Like right now, he's a runner who can kind of have some explosive passes outside the construct of the offense, but he can't throw within the pocket. And that's a problem in the NFL. But, you know, they're, they're going to bet on Caleb Williams, which I've said over and over. He's a legitimate prospect. But being a great prospect 
does not mean you're a great player. So you go to the Bears, who it's been well documented, have struggled at the quarterback position, struggled at the offensive, just overall operation most of my life. So that there's going to be a lot of pressure on that. But Caleb Williams is going to be a Bear. Then the other question, who goes number two? And, and I think that is definitely up in the air. And I, I think that is the biggest question going into the draft. Caleb Williams going one. Is it Drake May or Jaden Daniels? And then once that guy goes two, the other guys go in three. So I, I, I think all eyes point to the Washington Commanders, who Adam Peters, who might have the best hair here in the NFL, and um, Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury. Some people think that there's a chance – that they go Jaden Daniels, more of a spread quarterback, big-time athlete, kind of of the mold of Kyler. And then I've talked to other people that the moment Drake May walks into one of these rooms and you just see his size and his potential, because like, well, like Caleb Williams, you're a prospect. These teams don't view, even Lincoln Riley, like we view we're better than you at our job than you are. Fair or not. Right, So I, I think the whole thing with this number two is about projecting. It's not about year one. It's about five years from now. Right, The Bills did this once upon a time with Josh Allen. The Chief, obviously, there are a lot of positive examples. There are also ones that go the other way. This isn't an exact science. There's no guarantee. You're dealing with human beings, not widgets. So uh, watching who's going to go number two and number three, I, like I've said, I, I haven't watched Jaden Daniels enough to have like a concrete opinion. And when I did watch Drake May during the middle of the season, I didn't see it. But I, I know football and the draft isn't all about at quarterback, like who are you playing with? Who's coaching you? Um, I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, but he might just not be good. But he's definitely a good prospect when you factor in. Part of being a prospect is the measurables, the movement, the athleticism, the arm strength. Uh, Jaden has that, right? Big-time athlete, good arm. Like the one thing with Jaden I think a lot of people wonder is you go, well, this guy played with two wide receivers who are going to go in the top 15. So that's a fair question. Like he's going to go to a team that probably does not have that. Now, the commanders actually have some skill guys, but I'm fascinated how this all plays out. And, uh, right, the Bears have the same administration from last year where you look at the commanders – Brand new people. You look at New England, obviously brand new people. Going to be very, very fascinating. Other thing that's clearly out there is someone's going to get traded, if not multiple guys are going to get traded. And T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, uh, the Chiefs, are they going to tag and trade one of these guys? You can't pay everybody, even with the cap going up. I saw John Schneider said yesterday he thought the cap was like 248, 249, so he was thrilled when he got that extra six, $7 million dollars. You know, when, when the cap came out at $255 million. And listen, you can manipulate the cap. It, it's not like this isn't basketball where every guy's exact number hits the cap. You, you know, you push it back like a credit card. But when you start hearing numbers like $28 million for T. Higgins or 25 plus for Brandon Ayuk, I've always said this about the NBA. I don't give a shit when the cap goes up or whatever. You pay premiums, the guy better be a premium. If I'm going to pay an enormous amount of money, the guy better be Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt. I don't like paying premiums for guys that like, yeah, he's a really good player. So when, when that's the case, even when you love the guy, like I, I think I, I know the Chiefs love Snead and they love Chris Jones. I know for a fact the 49ers love Brandon Ayuk. 
I don't know anyone with the Bengals, but pretty sure they like T. Higgins. He's fucking good. But you, this is a business, and you have to make tough choices. So, and the Niners have a highly paid wide receiver. His name's Debo Samuel. The Bengals have a guy that they are going to pay an astronomical amount of money to in Jamar Chase. The Chiefs have a young corner who looks like the next, like Charles Woodson in, in Trent McDuffie. So, you have to make these big picture decisions. And it's easier. All these teams, you know, have had success. Obviously, the Chiefs have had the most. It's easy to make tough decisions when you're winning because you have more equity with the fans and the owner. So, I think one, if not multiple, of these guys are getting traded. And I think the complicated part about these trades is so I'm trading for a wide receiver who's a really good player. Like Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, they come to my team and they, they immediately make me better. They become a guy that has a chance to be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. But I have to give up a really high pick, right? I mean, I think both these teams are going to want somewhere between like 15 and the early 20s to make a trade. And then I have to pay the guy 25 to $28 million a year. Where it's like, why don't I just sit in that spot and draft the best wide receiver on the board? Now, the complicated part is... It's hard, and I saw it with the Niners when they traded DeForest Buckner. They traded Buckner, and they got pick 13. You're like, holy shit. That is it's the best value I've ever seen. And they took Javon Kinlaw. So, like, having the value is great, and then you got to pick the player. And the Chiefs, when they traded Tyreek Hill, they got Trent McDuffie. So, when you make the trade, you better get the right player. That, that's the key. So, I, I think one, some of these offers for some of these players, it's, it's going to be fascinating how it works out, but there, there's definitely going to be some movement. There's been some buzz and rumblings about Justin Jefferson. The entire point of being a football organization, as a GM, as a coaching staff, as a front office, is to land players like Justin Jefferson. That's the entire job. Obviously, the number one job, find your quarterback. And then after that, find sweet players at all the main positions. And they have a guy. So I saw Kevin O'Connell said yesterday, we haven't had internal, external, there have been no conversations. Now I do understand, so if you're talking $25 million for Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson's looking, what the fuck do you think he wants? $40 plus million a year? Could you trade him for like three ones? I mean, you entertain these ideas. This is their job. These conversations going in all these hotel rooms would blow people away. The guy's getting discussed. I mean, think about it. Who's not getting discussed this week? Probably like 15 players that never come up in a conversation, right? Mahomes, Lamar, Herbert, uh, Allen, like Trent Williams, TJ Watt. I mean, it's a, it's a small group of players that would never get discussed. I promise you, names get thrown around constantly. Like 98% of the league is discussed. And especially when you have contractual situations with players. But I, I think when you make a decision like this to, to keep them, which they should, but as long as you don't have a quarterback, like you have to kind of leave your options open. So I, I, do, I do take them at face value to go they haven't discussed this, but people are going to ask about it. And that, that gets back to the thing. So I got to trade a couple ones for Justin Jefferson, and then I got to pay him. I don't know, $100 million guaranteed? These deals can be very complicated because of the financial ramifications, because of the draft capital you have to give up to give them. And it's not like they can just give him up for two picks in the 20s. I mean, he's one of the best, most talented players they've had in the last, like, 20 years. Like, Adrian Peterson, I mean, Randy Moss, like, he's that level of, you know, physical talent. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have the career. He's got to stay healthy. But 
These situations are complicated. And last, I think the Russell Wilson situation, I'm kind of exhausted by it. Like, Russ, you've kind of sucked the last two years. Like, I just, I feel little sympathy. You know, the media who I'm sitting around right now just always leans on the side of the player. They're always right. You know, it's it's always fucked up. In business, yeah, you can ask for whatever you want. You get what you negotiate. Do you feel sympathy because they asked him? He had the right to say no. Welcome to a negotiation. They're not always pretty. Listen, are the Broncos right? Is he right? End of the day, he's been stealing for two years, right? Now, you can argue he earned that contract with Seattle. That's fine. The Broncos, and they made a massive mistake by signing it. But, like, once you sign a huge contract, it's it's the same in any business. Why, why are we having, like, a commercial real estate falling apart all over major cities in America? Because they had signed these huge contracts, and then all these people left. And now they're, like, at a fork in the road. The value of the building's down. These situations get complicated when you talk a lot of money. Most situations in the NFL are not that complicated. Why? Because they don't have the amount of guaranteed money that quarterbacks have. So when a guy sucks for a couple years, you just cut him. You just move on. eat a little dead money. The quarterback situations can be complicated because you guarantee NBA, Major League Baseball level money to him. As long as the guy's good, no one gives a shit. Right? Lamar Jackson, they pay him a bunch of money. and He's good. You don't even think twice. Patrick Mahomes, they gave him $450 million. Josh Allen, they gave him $250 million. He's awesome. Like, whatever. You, you never even crossed your mind. Well, the moment I give Russell Wilson all this money and then he plays like a bottom 15 quarterback, we're in major fucking trouble. And, and that's what, where they've been. And then you had Sean Payton, who when Colin talks about this a lot, like is kind of a crazy man in a good football way. Russell Wilson's like this, you know, optimistic, never. He, he just said, he, he just claimed he wants to win two Super Bowls in the next five years. And listen, I'm all for like positive reinforcement. That stuff works. I'm not acting like being negative Nancy 24-7 is the way to be. Andy Reid, who's dominating the NFL, is a positive person. Pete Carroll is one of the most successful co- coaches for the last 20 years. Positive. I'm, I'm pro being positive. But Russell saying, I want to win two of the next five Super Bowls, like that's the level of stuff that people just laugh at him. I mean, it's like, shut up, man. Let, let's just get your career back on track. You are going to have to play next year when you're cut. Someone's going to try to sign you for the minimum. It's why the Pittsburgh Steelers make some sense. They just sign them for a million dollars. And I've also thought about this with the Steelers. What's he going to do? Go in there and act weird in front of, like, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick? Like, they don't really have Mike Tomlin. They, they don't really operate like that. You know, part of Pete Steele, like, super optimistic. Then he gets Nathaniel Hackett, like, oh, Mr. Smiley. That, that shit, Pittsburgh is like, they, they don't play that game. So I actually think it's a positive place for him to go in the sense that he doesn't have a choice. He kind of has to just buckle down and figure it out. And if he doesn't, like that, let's win three Super Bowls in the next four years. People are like, let's just win a playoff game. Can we just win a playoff game? So I, I think the Russ situation was inevitable. Some things are inevitable for the moment they happen, right? The moment Sean Payton came into Denver, Russ was in trouble. The moment Sam Darnold was signed with the 49ers, Trey Lance was done. Right? The moment they traded for Aaron Rodgers, it was like, why are you st- kill, still keeping Zach? Well, like some things, like you just got to move on. Now they get more complicated when you have a Russell situation. Sean Payton didn't sign that contract, and he has a huge amount of money sitting there guaranteed. And these, these situations are, are tough, right? He's getting cut, just like Justin Fields is getting traded. Like th- these things are happening. And you just wonder, where's he going to go? I think there are a lot of people taking educated guesses, but that's what's fun about this time of year. There's a couple places that you could see him go. There's not a million, 
There's not like an unlimited amount of spots, right? And once those two guys take spots, if Russ is traded to Atlanta, let's or not traded, but cut and signs there, let's just use that as a hypothetical, or Justin Fields is traded there for a second-round pick, then we can go, well, Atlanta's not drafting a quarterback. We don't think Pittsburgh necessarily is. Let's say New England either signs Russ or trades for Justin Fields. Then we go, well, maybe they trade back. That was another thing I heard. Maybe they've been sniffing around trading back. Also heard that New England wasn't that big on Fields a couple years ago when he came out. It's weird. Like, I thought Fields was a pretty good prospect. But a lot of people in the NFL, I mean, did not like him as a prospect. They didn't think he saw it, which has kind of come to fruition in the NFL. Because part of seeing it is like rapid fire. Like you, and some guys improve on it. Like Lamar Jackson is like light years better now than he was when he first started. But he was way better immediately. I mean, I saw some people like comparing their two stats. It's like, fucking watch the two guys. It's not, it wasn't close three years in. Like, well, his team, I thought Fields' team wasn't that terrible this year, but everyone tries to make excuses for him. Same thing with Russ. It's like, you watch him, you know something's off. Now, these coaches have big egos, man. These coaches have a lot of belief in themselves. And now you get Arthur Smith in Pittsburgh. Do they go, we can figure this out. Right. One thing I heard with the Cleveland Browns, for example, man, and I've been, I was saying this all last year, is the Browns have to figure out a way to make Deshaun Watson a solid player because his cap hit is enormous the next three years. It's like 60-plus million dollars. And I talked to someone around the Browns yesterday, and like, that's a huge emphasis here, why they tra- change their staff. It's about we got to make Deshaun good because their team's not going to be as deep anymore. They, they don't have the, the capability because Deshaun's cap number is so large. So it's either Deshaun does well this year or we're going to be in trouble. And when I say does well, like not like Russell Wilson, like, oh, he looks a little better. Like, no, competes to be a Pro Bowl-level guy. Think who they're going up against in the AFC. Hell, the, I, I talked to 10 guys with the Chiefs yesterday. Around here, back at the hotel, they all said, God, the AFC's a lot of quarterbacks. I'm like, well, yeah, you got the best one, though. It's like, yeah, the NBA's got a lot of good players. Like, well, you got Michael Jordan. So huge advantage. It's like, yeah, they do have a lot of good quarterbacks, but when you got the best one, you always got the advantage. So Deshaun, think of who he truly has to play better than, right? And when I, I don't mean on a weekly basis, but just be able to be like, at least in the conversation. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson right now in a different stratosphere. I think everyone with a brain is betting on Herbert to be good now that he's got Harbaugh. And like just that crew alone. Like I, I was BSing with Doug Peterson yesterday. And, like, it was just a real conversation. I asked him, like, what do you think about the quarterback? And, like, without hesitation, he's like, I really like him. I think he's going to be fine. He's banged up last year. He's going to be okay. Now, I'm not as big a believer as him, and, and, and I don't think he's just saying that to say it. Like, I think he likes him. That's why he took the job. But let's just say they get him just playing at a solid level. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I didn't even think about him. Like, I mean, you just got a lot of guys. This is not going to be easy. And say what you want about Tua, his infrastructure with McDaniel – the offensive players around them, they play in a warm weather climate. They, they got to, Burrow's coming back. You, you got to figure this out and you got you to figure it out fast. So, combine the stories that are going to come out left and right over the weekend and moving toward free agency is a fun time of year. I saw how he was talking to Florio yesterday and he said that, uh, you know, as a GM, once the season gets going, like we don't coach the team and there are really only so many moves you can make. But, a lot of stuff's out of the front office's control. Well, this time a year it's not. 
this is the time of year where the front office separates each other, you know, from other teams. It's like walking around here, you see people with the different logos. I'd say half the teams in the league have don't have a snowball's chance in hell to compete. Zero. They, they, I mean, they just have no shot. And then you got like the next half of that 15, 17 teams. They're like, you know, if they hit on a couple guys, they definitely could be playoff teams. And then you got the top six or seven teams in the league that are running circles around everybody. Like Andy and Veach, like it's not really a fair fight. You've got the best coach. You have easily one of the best talent evaluators. They know exactly like everyone thinks. Like the way the Ravens operate, the way the Niners are operating, like McVay and Les Snead. You have teams that are just just on a different level. Like Sirianni's very dependent on his coordinators, but they have a high-level operation. If those coordinators are good, and Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio are big upgrades, even the Cowboys, like I'm not betting on them to win playoff games anymore, but they're clearly a well-run operation. A lot of these teams are not. So this time of year, making the right decisions, GMs know what they're doing, knowing who to pay, knowing who not to pay, knowing who to trade for, who not to trade for. So much buzz and free agency about, like, oh, this team has the most cap space. This team opened up this much room. To pay who? Now, I like paying your own guys when you got really good young players. Extending them, it's expensive. But, like, other free agents, that's, that's very, very risky. They're usually free agents for a reason, and you have to pay a premium on top of that to get the guy. So it's like, well, this guy's not even an A player, but i got to pay him like an A player. It's always risky. And a lot of these guys, especially the older guys, third contracts, you know, it's, most guys are not quarterbacks that play well into their mid-30s. This is the NFL. So, fun times here from Indy. Let's talk to, briefly, but it was a fun little chat with a guy I used to call my boss, Eagles GM, Howie Roseman. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here with uh, Super Bowl champion. I like that. Howie Roseman, former boss. Howie, what's up? Hey, John. What's going on, man? You look tan, well-rested, man. The pod life serving you well. I feel like I should be interviewing you. What am I doing wrong? You you, you want to become a podcaster? No. (laughs) No. No, You're you're having too much fun. Uh, I I am. I I love what I do. I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by great people. So, Okay, we got to keep keep this quick. I know you got to roll, obviously, this season, one of the crazier ones you've ever been involved in. Yeah, I think just, uh, you know, the season's always a roller coaster ride. Um, You know, this one, you're you're going all the way up and then, you know, kind of went down a little bit further than we thought, but great learning opportunity for us. And and now you're in the off season and it's like, how can we do better? What can we do better? And, you know, that starts with me. And so uh, I look forward to the opportunity. We got a great staff. We got a great group of people um, to try to make sure that, you know, um, we're not having an ending like we did last year. How big is this time for you? You know, meetings, free agencies, trades, obviously you're known as one of the wheelers and dealers of the league. Yeah. Is this normal combine or just, I think, I think you're always trying to just accumulate information, you know, try to get as much information as you can to make good decisions. And, um, and I think that's really what it is. We want to stack good decisions upon good decisions. And that doesn't mean that everything we do is going to work out. Certainly that, that hasn't been this case, but if we make a lot of good decisions, you know, it gives our chance to, a, a team a chance to compete for championships. How do you not take too big a deal over what happened the last, whatever, five, six weeks of the season and try to take the totality of everything? Is that, does that yeah, come with experience? I think, I think what, what I, for me, my process, no matter how the season ends, is, you know, I think I get away a little bit I, and um, I get to a place where I, I can, with fresh eyes, kind of go back over the season and, and watch the tape and, and watch our players with fresh eyes as opposed to what I think my perspective is. And I think that, and I do it away from the building a little bit. And I think what that does is it gives, it gives me a vision of what we need to improve and, and the areas that um, maybe are better than I thought and maybe worse than I thought, you know, just based on going through the season and watching each week and, and having this big picture perspective. So, um, you know, got through that and, and then you go and you, and you try to execute. And I think, you know, for me, uh, some of the experience lessons are sometimes, you know, you go about and you try to do something and it doesn't work out. And sometimes it's the best thing that could happen because another opportunity comes about. And so um, team building, roster building, it's a year round activity. But certainly when you talk about March, April, May, big opportunities. To do and, now, and now, you know, Kellen Moore, who you guys obviously played against for years in Dallas sure. and Fangio, who was working with you guys last year. You've seen him forever. Yeah, forever. What's your feeling like with those two guys right now? Well, I think Coach did an unbelievable job of vetting candidates and obviously excited about the guys that he hired and their fit in Philly. And um, now we got to spy them with players. You know, I think that at the end of the day, um, our job is important. You know, the, the players are what win games in this league. And, um, you know, I got to I gotta do my part to make sure that Coach Irani has a chance to have really good players. How many hours of sleep per night here? Last night wasn't a good start. Not many. Know, not, not, not a great start because, you know, you got you know, all, you obviously have these interviews, you have meetings here, and then you also got league meetings. And so, um, 
you know, but it, it's, it's good seeing people. It's good seeing yeah. people like you it's, uh, that you don't get to see all year. You know, I saw someone yesterday and I thought I saw, cause I speak to him and I thought I saw him and he's like, I haven't seen you since last March. And yeah. I'm like, no way. I felt like I saw you three months ago. So, uh, these things go quicker and quicker, my man. Well, Howie, when's your first deal? You think in the next couple of weeks or, you know, well, we already signed a couple of players, you know, yeah, but you know, the, the Eagles and, always got some move and then it just, be prepared. Is that you fair? Know, I got to tell you, is that like, is that your like catchphrase right there? Because no, that, that was pretty good. That was a lot of energy in the, you know, in the, in the internet streets, you know, Howie Roseman, the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll stay away from those streets. Yeah. So no, no breaking news right <laughs> no now. Breaking no breaking news right Number now. Number one no player on your draft news. board. Bob, uh, we're, we're leaving. No, no, we're good. Dom, get me out of here. No, all right. Appreciate it. Dom's you. next. Dom, Dom, Dom will get you the most podcast. The, whatever votes you need. He'll oh, he'd get me a million views yeah. in like 10 minutes. I know, I know. We'll see. Hey, Dom. Can you, can you just show your face? He needs some views on his podcast. Yeah, can we can we just can one, we just get can we get one comment? You can get one comment. Because I, 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 mean, I supported him, and he he's the thing. Come this, here real quick. This, this guy no, is one of the more talented people in the National Football League. His relationship with our players, his ability to identify talent, he's a special guy. Ask one guy that supported you the whole time. The voice right here. Absolutely, definitely. You're my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay, let's. Uh, Let's let's dive into a uh, yeah I've known this guy for a while. I used to have him on the radio show. He runs what I, I think many would consider the most successful and biggest NFL website. Very polarizing individual, Mike Florio. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing dirty sports scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here with the founder. Founder. And, and current president. Founder, owner, CEO. Owner, CEO. CEO, of, uh, COO, guy who cleans the toilets. <laughs> of a website that obviously fans, but more importantly, the whole league reads. And listen, this, this is my type guy. We don't always agree. Now, you wouldn't know because I'm just reading you. I've heard my, some things. I've heard some things you've said about me, and I can't remember what they are, but I remember being pissed off at you. And then I forget about it. But I like, I like your goes. style. You'll talk some shit. And my former boss, Howie, and you guys have a nice little uh, good back and forth. I love Howie. And there are times where I want to strangle Howie. But I love Howie. My guy, uh, Dom DeSandro, I don't think is too happy with you right now. Mike. I don't know what Dom's problem is, but you know what? It's his problem. Was it that big a deal? Let's be real. Well, no. It, it wasn't it, a big deal. Well, but... And I'm a Niner guy. It wasn't that big a deal. If you're on the sideline... And you're not a player, and you're not a coach, stay the fuck off the white line. That's the easy rule. Stay off the white line. And don't go throwing yourself around like you're some big shit that you're going to get in the middle of this. You're not there because people are like, he's security. Well, this isn't a club. He's not a bouncer at a club when he's at a game. He's not there to help the officials keep the peace. Back off and let the officials keep the peace. Don't go putting your hands on other players. It's a fairly clear, bright line. Don't go putting your hands on other players. He's I, I, not part of the process that would be putting his hands on other players. I don't players. disagree with you there. Like, it was a mistake. It happened, and yeah. we just move on. Like, yeah. I, you, but you, I don't, you don't believe he should be kicked out of the league. I, I mean, you should were be pretty, kicked out of the league for it. I just thought, look. He was I mean, fined hundred grand. Well, we'll see if he paid it. But and who Sources say he paid. Okay. Um, but <laughs> Coming from the big guy. But but the reality it's is. It's a lot of money, Mike. I know it's a lot of money. He's not a coach. I understand that, but I'm sure he'll get it back one way or the other from yeah, Jeff Lurie. I mean, it, it, you know, you get a little <laughs> bonus here or there. There are ways to supplement your income. But the point is, is like, because I, I got to be careful what's on the record, off the record, but I've heard from people that, like, Dom was upset. It's like, well, I don't care if Dom's upset. No, he was so, upset. Well, that's he is. fine. I mean, don't, don't step onto the white line and push a guy. It's not my fault. I didn't force him to do it. He did it. And that's when you – that was the game of the week – Except for Sunday Night Football on NBC. That was the game of the afternoon. One of the games of the year. Eagles. the buildup. Right. And it's a key moment. I agree. And, and Drake Greenlaw gets ejected. That's stupid. I mean, that, he shouldn't But have been. that's what makes it a bigger deal. Yeah, I agree. Dre, I agree. Dre, for, for, that, for the little grazing, you know, it was, it was like a grazing of the chin. The whole thing was him. dumb. Yeah. But, but the point is, I, I, like, if you're going to be mad at the aftermath and the fallout from what you do, then just don't do it. Don't be, don't be mad at the people who react to what you do. Well, he's a person. You're, he's a human. You yeah. get mad at people, I'm sure, over the years. I, I mean, but, I, but I, have, I don't know the guy. I got no agenda against the guy. The guy's Italian. He's a compadre. He's a paisano. I'm not, I mean, I'm I not wired to go after the guy. I, it's just it happened. And I think I was talking to Sims yesterday because Sims was talking to him and he was bitching about it. It's like, come on, man. Who, but he's mad because of some email I sent to the league. I found the email I sent last night. I sent an email asking simple questions. Here's here's what happened. Here are my questions oh, about so it. You they were, were very innocuous. Oh, so you were being I didn't know that. You were you were asking the league for comments about the situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like what happened? You're like, a journalist? Are yeah, you a journalist? Exactly. I well, I don't know what I am, but I've learned Hybrid. over over time how to find 
the answers to questions and I have a pipeline to the league, it's like, here's what happened. Help me understand the rule. What are the consequences for this? You know, because earlier in the year, they sent out a memo about these the incidents rules. that can happen. Yeah, right? yeah. And it turned out that they had a separate memo that was sent out specifically for guys like DeSandro about staying the fuck out of the white line. So I, I, he, he only had himself to blame. And if he's got a problem with anything I said, it is his problem. And if he's mad about anything I said, I'm not apologizing for anything I said because I didn't say anything he should be upset about. Okay, let's uh, let's move. There's no you point started, in reaction. I know you, I did. You I, took I did. Me there. I did. Oh, I got Dom's back. Gonna, I'm supporting I, the big guy. I go wherever the wind takes me. What's uh, you know how you support the big guy? You tell him in the future, don't go in the way. Who's line. the most angry at you here right now? You think? I don't know who else here. <laughs> well, a lot of coaches. Listen, I. Andy Reid's here. Belichick never missed this. Some of these guys missing. Like, I don't know. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I think they should be here. That'd be my well, take. Andy just Reed's for the right. interviews, right? They. That's what Andy told me yesterday. I come to meet the kids. That's the only thing important. Well, and that's my counter to the coaches who would say, I can it's a gossip fest watch the, the workouts on film. I can participate in the Zoom interviews while everybody else is in the room. Yeah. yeah. But I think if you're going to drag the kids here and put them through this process, and I know they have them all brainwashed into thinking it's an honor and a privilege, and I think that's bullshit. It's, it's an honor and a privilege for the teams to have the ability to do something that is far more probing and meaningful than just like they used to do. They did the draft in December. You know, when it's time to make your pick, you're making your pick. You are in a position I where... I mean, you, times have changed. Well, Money's I know, changed. But, but my point is this. It's not an honor and a privilege for the kids. I mean, kind of. <laughs> it's... Okay. What well, job this, pays that type of money? I mean... I, I know, but somebody's getting that job. They need the kids to make it easier for them to pick the right ones. They're picking somebody for those jobs. They're going to draft somebody. And there are certain guys that don't need to submit to the process. I was talking to a couple of GMs last night. There's about 150 to 175 guys where they don't really need to be here. Marvin Harrison the rest does not need to be right, here. The rest yeah, of them yeah. need to be here. I agree. They don't need to go through the interviews. They need to do this stuff. I mean, you know, Deion Sanders at one point when he was going through it, and I think it was the Giants. It was like, the Giants. They had that long, yeah. all that questionnaire. He said, you, he's like, where you. do you draft? <laughs> like, I have, you know, I'm not going to be on the board then. I like that attitude. That's a small percentage of I know, players, I know, so. but I like that attitude because, and this is just part of the contrarian You're pro nature. the little guy. Yeah, it's, it's like, come on, man. Even though you're the big but guy anyway, now. here's my point. Here's my point. <laughs> I think it's a sign of respect for the kids that have to come here. Kids can't do it by Zoom. And I think if I'm a coach and I'm, and I'm sitting here for all these, and I'm showing to these kids that I care about this. It's important to me. Even if I only draft seven of them, I'm making a relationship with those seven, and some of these other guys may be free agents at some point, or I may be a coach at another team where those guys are playing. And I'm showing to them that this is a long, demanding week for them, and I'm not staying home. I'm here for it. So that part of it, I think, is a reason for the coaches to be here. And it's only five or so that aren't here. I think if they would ever take it out of Indy and make it a traveling road show, it would be more like 15 or 20 totally. that wouldn't show up. To me, if, if Andy Reid is going to be here, and forever Belichick was here, McVay and Kyle should be here. I, McCarthy, I mean, these are I mean, these are guys, some of the biggest names. Of the it, Belichick never missed this thing. Pete Carroll was always here. There's, there's clearly value. To me, it's less about like even the disrespect it's more they're disrespecting the entire event kind of right. too like what they don't think it's as important like bullshit well somebody made the point that two things one 
as they make it bigger and bigger, as they put more and more hype, they make it more of a meet for TV event. That's kind of like a protest against that. That's what Breer was telling me. And the thought. idea that you're getting hit up for jobs wherever you go. Yeah, you got people hanging around looking for a job, looking for a job, and you know I don't want to deal with that. Like you go out at night and you're dealing isn't with that this. Part person. of your job, though. Well, I mean, it's like that's yeah, part I of mean, life. Yeah, how, you get everyone's bugging you. It's like so, welcome right. To you the, learn how to deal to with world. it. You learn how to deal with it, and you move on to the next person. I agree with you, but I, I'm just trying to understand why five of them would feel compelled to not be here. And most coaches look Who at are the five? it. Uh, Kyle, Sean, McCarthy, Sala. Yeah, but I think Sala's coming. Okay. I think what happened was when I, wrote, when I wrote the story over the weekend Owner saw. that Sala wasn't coming, somebody high up in the organization saw it, and now Sala's coming. I think he's just coming like Saturday, but he's still coming. At least the other guys were in the playoffs. <laughs> right, right. And LaFleur's not coming either. That's the fifth yeah, one. He's, <laughs> four of them have in common. They're all of the same little buddy yeah. group, right? Uh, okay, let's. I, I would say the biggest story so far, you talked to him yesterday, the Ryan Poles, Justin Fields situation. My takeaway, sure feels like Fields is traded. I, my, if I had to take an educated guess by the end of next week, we have a destination. They got to trade him. They got to trade him soon because there's too many other quarterbacks out there who are available on the first day of free agency. And we know how it goes this week. Teams are expressing interest, and they don't necessarily make offers financially this week, although for some of the bigger names, maybe they will. But you've got seats that are going to start filling up. Yeah. So if you're going to place Justin Fields in one of those seats, you better do it before somebody signs Kirk Cousins. I mean, the best example is Russell Atlanta. Wilson. Exactly. Russell Wilson's going to be released. And I even as late as last week, some people were like, oh, don't don't rule out Russell Wilson going back to Give Denver. Me a break. Rule it out. There's no way he's going <laughs> no. back. There's no way that's going to work out. They're not going to guarantee $37 million next year fully and completely, and he's not going to change the date on which that guarantee of $37 million for injury vests. And some of the stuff he said to Brandon Marshall, if you watch that podcast appearance, little things that the Broncos would say he's just wrong, and it doesn't lay the foundation to men fences. He's gone. It's over. But he'll be part of it, too. So if you're the Bears, you got to move. And in a weird sort of way, Sims and I were talking about this morning. I cannot but wonder whether or not the Bears are deliberately trying to agitate fields to get him to ask to be traded because I think they're realizing they're not going to get much for him. So if he asks to be traded and it's kind of like a fire sale thing and they don't get much, they can say, hey, the guy wanted to be out. We're trying to do right by him. He asked to be traded. You know, what do you expect us to get when the guy asks to be traded? Because I think that they were trying to be coy and no one is saying hey, we really want him, we'll give you a second-round pick or a first-round pick. Here's the other window, too, that I would watch. If they, this is risky, but if they don't trade him before the musical chairs stop before or early into free agency after the first round of the draft, anybody who decides we want a quarterback in the first round of the draft, if you don't get your guy, then in those 18 hours before round two, maybe the Bears trade fields for that team's second-round pick. Ideally, you'd like to avoid that You don't situation. want to do that. You don't want to do that because yeah, then you may be stuck star, with both guys. People come exactly. in the building, it gets weird. You know, I, I think people understand if you had to trade him for a fourth. Like, it's like, yeah, the market wasn't there because a the fifth-year option. We remember Sam Darnold. They traded a second, picked up the fifth-year option. They regretted it. Right. Right. Baker Mayfield, I think he had the Browns picked it up. But clearly, you know, the, the Browns picked it up, and then he gave up he had to eat three it. and a half million to facilitate yeah, the trade to Carolina. Like, how if I trade a second-round pick, I have to pick up that fifth-year option. Oh, absolutely. Right? It's $25 million, which isn't all that much, grand scheme of things, when you consider the quarterback market. But is he, market, is he a $25 still, million dollar player right it's now? It's $3.2 million for this year and $25.334 million for next year. So and like that's two years, part of what you're $14 million, up. basically, Yeah, yeah but that's what you're picking up. And then the question becomes, okay, I'm getting a guy who is content with that arrangement, or am I getting a guy who says, 
I want. I'm not playing for 3.2 million this year. I've I've put in three good years. You traded for me. I'm not playing for 3.2. I want you know like the Kyler Murray thing. I'm not setting foot on the field for four and a half million fourth year of my contract. I want a deal now. I think. I've talked a lot about the Washington, but let's skip to the third team, the Patriots. I think I read it on your site how Gerard Mayo said, like, we need the media. We know our relationship with the media needs to be good. It feels like a massive pivot, and I'm not even blaming him. I think it's coming from ownership of, like, we need to be buddy-buddy with everyone. It's like in the NFL, if he starts 0-5, no one cares about that. So I I understand the crafts. In, like internally thinking that that matters because they've seen the opposite. But like if this guy doesn't win, it's going to be a disaster. I, I think they're worried about the wrong things right now. And it, it starts with Robert and Jonathan. Well, and I think that Mayo, this is what's going to be interesting. He can say all of these things to try to distinguish himself from Bill Belichick, but the reality is when you have spent so much of your career playing for and coaching with Bill Belichick, his entire career, you don't realize... Yeah, that's right. His entire, he took that three years and he was working in another industry, but all of his time playing and all of his time coaching is with Belichick. You don't realize how much being around him just kind of becomes how you view the world and how you coach. But as it relates to the media, you know, the reality is, and we saw it happen this year, when it starts to go sideways, all those people that you treated without the proper respect for whatever reason, whatever it is, it's a military mindset, he doesn't want to say anything to compromise him, regardless... The, the grumpiness and being, you know, short with people, that all comes back to roost when you're not winning. So you do buy yourself a little more grace period if you're nicer to the media than if you're Brandon Saley is a good example. He yeah. was, like, calling everyone by name, and then they... Yeah. But they, they turn that's on the you Sean when you McVay. That's the Sean McVay thing, the name repetition. Well, it does work. It's yeah. a, media's easy to placate to that yeah. way. Just call, it, hey, Bill, thanks for the question. Isn't it funny how easy it is to manipulate the human organism? Very. John, Very. aren't you amazed by that, John? But it's why so many coaches that study psychology and have that mindset typically do better. And say this about Bill. Like, let's talk about Belichick. I, I think it's pretty crazy. And I understand it was pretty ugly the last couple of years. If you watch them play this year... Obviously, the quarterback sucked, and that's his fault. He's still fucking good. Yeah. You know, he's a he's an elite defensive coach. The players still really like him. He didn't get a job. I, I mean, that is, that's insanity to me. Well, and I, honestly, he only really had one option, right? And clearly, the powers that be wanted no part of him because they would have been asked out, right? I think what Robert Kraft said in the press conference he conducted after they did the joint announcement of the separation. Well, Bill gave him the fake hug or a Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but when Kraft came back to answer questions and they said, well, Belichick alluded to the possibility of taking less power and staying, and Kraft said, well, that just wouldn't work. It would be too awkward. It would be too confusing. And I think that same mindset applies anywhere else he goes because this is a guy, early 70s, so you're a GM, let's say you're 43. And Adam Peters. Yeah, and here's, here's Bill Belichick who has been in – Complete control of the football operation of the Patriots for years. And now, hey, it's our first draft meeting. And I'm the 43-year-old GM, and I'm completely in charge, and the head coach works for me. That ain't working. It's not working. And when it's time to pick a receiver in round four, and you say, hey, you know, coach, this is the guy I'm thinking at, and he makes a face or, you know, oh. And, well, I guess I'm not taking that guy. So even if he doesn't have the power, he still has the power. So I think... The question is, for the duration of this year, is there an owner that looks at where his or her team currently is and decides, 
I'm willing to throw the keys to Bill Belichick because that's what you have to do. You have to throw him the keys and say, drive wherever you want, however you want, you're in charge. And will somebody be willing to do that? Well, I, I think, don't know. I think it's fair to say he is no lock in 2025 cycle to be a coach yeah. in a year, right? He's got to get back in the media, too. And Why doesn't he do Amazon Thursday night? I, 30 owners are watching. Right. Why don't they replace well, Herb Street with him? And it's not just owners. I think you got to get fans behind it. When it was starting... Do you think that's the move, Amazon? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It could be NBC. I don't know. But you I, don't have an opening. Well, Collinsworth. No, but I think he's better off in studio you don't think than doing a game, game site. No, I think he needs to be in a position where he's watching the whole league and monitoring the whole league and commenting on the whole league instead of just focusing on one game at a time. I don't know how good he'd be doing a game. I think that's because we've it's seen It's risky, him, but I think it'd be, I think it could be awesome. setting with the NFL yeah. all-time 100 team. He was awesome. But I, I think that, and I know that when it looked like this season was going to end poorly for the Patriots and he was going to be out, I posed a very generic question on X if your favorite team was looking for a coach in this upcoming cycle, would you want Bill Belichick? And it was over 70% no. I think he's got to get people out there who are football fans to believe that he's the answer. Because the owners, ultimately, at the end of the day, they count on the fans devoting money and time and emotion and support and just everything they have to following the team. So you have to feel good about the, the coach. And so I think there's two battles he's got to fight. He's got to win the fans, and then he's got to win an owner who's willing to say, you're in charge. Well, I think there are two spots that everyone's going to talk about, and rightfully so, are going to be the Eagles, because they got a coach. If, he, if they struggle, he's going to get fired. And McCarthy's on the last year of his deal. But the Giants and the Jets. Now, I know he hates the Jets, but those are two organizations who, let's face it, the dayball situation got weird. Yeah. I mean, you heard about the wink. We all heard about the wink thing. That was weird. And it did not go well. What if they suck again? And the Jets, like, have a chance to be a disaster. That organization has a lot of money. The Giants have Bill Belichick's heartstrings. Jeffrey Lurie has a Boston guy followed him. And Jerry's Jerry. Like, I think maybe there is Bill's going to have more options than I think now talking it out. If some of these – but now, if the Eagles and Cowboys have success, maybe McCarthy gets extended. I, I think there's just a lot of moving parts with those well, two teams that are good. You've got, I agree with you. You've got three teams in the NFC East that potentially end up pursuing Bill Belichick. And Jerry Jones has spoken openly about it. Even after it was clear, he was keeping Mike McCarthy. Had to cross his mind those couple days when he was in limbo, right? Don't you oh, think? Absolutely. And we, we were talking about it and writing about it. And I was finding old quotes where Belichick would praise Jerry and Stephen Jones for the team they've put together. The Joneses have done a much better job over the past 10 years than Bill Belichick well has done putting a team together. Agreed. So, you know, the old Parcells saying, you want me to cook the meal, but you don't want me to shop for the groceries. They have a very well-stocked kitchen with everything that Bill Belichick would need. He's got a young Lawrence Taylor and Michael Parsons. I wish Jerry would have done it. It would have been yeah, sweet. I, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't. And I, I know the Eagles were aware of the contrast between the Cowboys issuing a statement that their coach who has won 12 regular season games for three straight years is coming back, and the Eagles not issuing a statement. It's like, why do you, if you are a functional, normal organization – why do you need to tell the world you're not firing your Sir, head coach? Sirianni was closer to getting fired than McCarthy. I think that, well, and he had to do something. Look, he had to convince Jeff Lurie that it's going to work. When they asked him in his press conference, and I can't remember whether it was his season-ending press conference or it was, I think it was probably after the loss to the Bucks. the idea that 
what are you going to do to fix it next year? Well, I have confidence I'll fix it. Well, that doesn't tell me what you're going to do to fix it. You better have a better plan when it's time to sit down with Jeff Lurie than I'm confident that I'll fix it. And whatever Lurie heard from him after they had a chance to let the dust settle, it must have worked because that's where it went sideways with Doug Peterson. They reached an impasse over what they're going to do with coordinators and out goes Peterson. So I really do think that there was some circling the wagons, there was some scrambling, and there was some... Yeah, that I still don't know how to properly explain that cocktail of emotions that were reflected on Jeffrey Lurie's face in the fourth quarter of the loss to the Buccaneers, where it was combination... It was the best face this year. And so... How do you how do you take that face and turn it into a smile? And he ultimately smiles on Nick Sirianni. So Sirianni had to have a hell of a plan. And if it doesn't work, I agree with you. Okay. He's going to be out. A couple more things I know you got to go is that the Eagles hire Vic Fangio, and I've worked for the Eagles under no circumstances, even if they didn't want the guy, would they just rip up the contract and let him go somewhere else that he wanted to go? They would have been like, even if you got to trade us something – and the Dolphins, and I get that something weird happened internally. How could they possibly just rip up his contract and let him go to another team? Couldn't couldn't you just be like, well, trade us a fifth-round pick yeah. or something? That, that seemed insane to me. I don't think you can do trades for assistant coaches. You can't? But, but, I, don't, I didn't know the rule. But it still seemed odd that they were so willing to let him go. And maybe it really was mutual. Maybe it was just time to move on. But it speaks to a deeper issue with the Dolphins. They're able to put together a team that does well in the regular season. They can't get past the first round of the playoffs. We asked Mike McDaniel about this yesterday, and he is very expert at filibustering, whether he intends to or not. And I don't think he intends to. But we had him for like 25 minutes, and we asked five questions. He's stylish, huh? long, meandering response. And I love listening to him, but it's hard to get to the meat. The the meat. And one of the things that Sims has been saying about the Dolphins, they they lack an edge, kind of in-your-face, toughness, you know, take your lunch money, stuff you in a locker. And, look, football has evolved away from the raw brute force violence, but you still need to have a little of that. Best defense in the league arguably won the Super Bowl. Right. One of them. Right. And the Niners are a great defense. Right. I mean. But you need to have a little of that. Edge. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just wonder at times – whether or not the Dolphins have that. Is that where, what they're missing? It's like the Lions are the best example. If you could take the Lions and the Dolphins and merge them together, I think you'd have an unstoppable Wait, Here, I'll team. give you an example, though, and I've talked to scouting buddies about this. It's Detroit. Tough city. It's cold. Not as much to do. One thing Miami has working against it that is not debatable is the city. Yeah. And unlike basketball or baseball where you basically play every other day or every day, in football you got a lot of downtime. And what was some of the stuff coming out? Vic didn't think they worked hard enough. Yeah. That wasn't because they weren't like paying attention. It's because they were screwing around at night and hung over and stuff. I think Miami, one thing I see with the Niners, having lived in Northern California forever, they don't play in the city. They play in Palo Alto. They yeah. say, like, there's nothing to do down there. New York City battles this. There's a lot to freaking do. And even they're kind of in the suburbs. Miami is, I, I, there's nothing quite like it. Kind of Vegas, but those guys don't live on the strip. Yeah. And even we've seen a couple incidents in Vegas. I think that city has a lot working against it in this in this modern world and time of which, which what I think, we deal with. And John, I, I think, think it's that hard makes to win it, that way. I think that makes it even more important to get players who won't be For sure. the, corrupted like the Patriot by type that. Guys, Not almost. that it's corruption in a bad way. That's I know what you mean. One of the reasons I think the 49ers have been so good, you know, like Kyle Shanahan, great coach, master of the X's and O's, and planning the run game, planning the pass game, High unstoppable offense, guys. great. But I think John Lynch's ability to spot 
guys who are like him, who will roll out of bed and kick your ass, who don't need to practice tackling. They can tackle whenever, wherever, however. The George Kittle mindset, the Nick Bosa mindset, the Fred Warner mindset. Guys who are ready to go at the drop of a hat. They have guys like that on both sides of the ball, and I think that's one of the reasons why they continue to find ways to be around you know, they haven't gotten to the top yet, but they're around every year because they've got these guys that are just rougher and tougher than most of the guys that you see out there. Okay, and on this, some of these big names, franchise tagged, fifth-year option guys like Ayuk, Higgins, Chris Jones, Sneed, some of these guys are getting traded, right? Well, there was a report yesterday, I don't know who had the report, that Sneed may be tagged and traded. I think there may be some medical stuff with Snead that other teams are aware of that I think will be part of the problem if the Chiefs are hoping to get a big return. But you only got one tag, one tag per team. You got Chris Jones, you got Jerry And now Snead. you got McDuffie coming do? on. It's you easier got McDuffie, to cut. yeah. And, and so, look, they need to keep Chris Jones. Yeah. You can't, like, you can trade Tyree Kill and reconfigure your offense. You can't let Chris Jones go and say, oh, we'll still be fine defensively. There's no replacement for that big athletic guy in the middle of the line who does what Chris Sims likes to say, fucks up the play. There's no stat for that. But a guy who can completely disrupt everything you're doing is more valuable than any other guy on His defense. His penis once fell out right down the um, right down the hall that's true. when he was running the 40 yeah. here at the Indy. His career's gone up since then. Yes. <laughs> well, it couldn't go much lower. <laughs> no. I appreciate you, Mike. Take it easy. Great seeing you, pal. <laughs> what, a way to, what a way to end. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Thanks. See ya. The Volume. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.